Hello, and welcome to the Ringgold Band podcast series, Sustaining an American Music Tradition. My name is Cindy Miller-Unks, the president of the band, and with me is... Jim Seidel, the musical director of the band. And with us for our podcast today is Ken Williams, who was a member, who many years ago was a member of our clarinet section, and now he's a member of our sax section, who will also pinch it when I need a clarinetist. Ken, welcome. Thank you. We are, we're here. anxious to hear your story. Yes, well, we are. Well, go this is your second round with the band. Is that correct? Actually, my fourth round. Your fourth round. You oh. probably don't even know this, but my parents brought me to Ringgold concerts as quite a young lad. Oh, so. my goodness. No, I didn't. Your parents have been advocates of the Ringgold band as long as I've known you. I, they're always in the audience. Yes, absolutely. So they brought me sometimes begrudgingly to Ringgold <laughs> you know, games, but apparently it, it took, you know, and it soaked in a bit. Uh-huh. My second stint was a very brief one. I was in eighth grade, and my clarinet teacher at the time, Les Yeager, who was oh. bass clarinetist with the band, right. brought me to a rehearsal. I have to say I was somewhat overwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> it just seemed to be a bunch of old people, and they were playing music that was a little beyond me at that point. I would think so. Yeah. Yes. So that was about a one rehearsal stint at that right. point. Uh, but I did return in 1986, so as an 11th grader, I'd actually been playing with the Pottstown band at that point, <laughs> saxophone with, with that band. Uh-huh. And uh, as Jim said, I rejoined the fold at that point and uh, played for about 17 years. Uh, right, because era. you were in when I came in. Absolutely. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, in the so there, there were some younger people. It wasn't all old people at that point, but... <laughs> Uh, That's right. uh, But then I took a 10-year break. I did a bunch of other musical kind of adventures, some other things that I wanted to do, kind of committed a bit more time to that, and three years ago returned once again. No, we're happy to to have you back. We are so happy to have you back. What do you do? um, You're not a musician by trade. That's correct. It's, what what do you do in your in the real world to make to make a living? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I've been working in the human services field. Um, I my degrees in psychology and my master's is, is in counseling. Uh, so uh, I've been working in in human service agencies since 1991. Uh, I actually um, was was telling some folks that, that I worked downtown here for 15 years. So I actually worked in the services center for the the county office of, of mental health and intellectual disabilities, and uh, a, uh, just about eight and a half years ago, um, I decided to work for a smaller not-for-profit. So I'm, I'm currently with Dayspring Homes. Uh, we have group homes, and we have day services for people with uh, intellectual disabilities, but also uh, developmental and physical and some medical you know, challenges as well. Um, and I'm doing HR and also training uh, for that organization. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I didn't really. Yeah. See, it's interesting yeah. to talk to you because you're kind of a quiet fella. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I saw the day spring, and I, I didn't know if it was a realty company or what it was at that time. <laughs> Most people assume that we build homes. Yeah, there right. you go. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody at our agency who could actually build a home. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to a comment you made a little earlier about when you came as a, a high school student uh, and an eighth grade student. You thought it was just a bunch of old guys getting together. And, you know, we've heard that perception from several people whose eyes were open when they walked in the room. Now, how does that compare your first stint to where the band is now since you took that, what would you say, a 10-year ten hiatus? Year sure. That was, yeah, it was about from 2003 uh, to, to three years ago. So this mm-hmm. is my third season mm-hmm. back. But I was amazed at who was in the band hall when I came back from my first rehearsal. That was a January, January mm-hmm. rehearsal. And uh, just the amount of students 
you know, uh, that early in the year, mm-hmm. because traditionally toward the, toward the end of, of uh, my 17 year stint, mm-hmm. uh, we were getting more students throughout the summers, a, a lot of college students and some high school mm-hmm. as well on playing gigs and whatnot. But um, I was really amazed to, to see that at that point in the year. And that wasn't the only thing that really changed when I came back. Uh, we actually were playing year round, which wasn't happening when I left the band in 2003. We pretty much had a summer uh, Summer season. schedule. Summer season, yeah. yes. We, we went from spring concert to, to the dinner concert and not much over, over the, the colder months. So uh, I actually, I, I felt a little tired and a little overwhelmed when I came back. And I think, why, why is this so? I'm still the same person. I'm still fairly young. Uh, <laughs> but it's because I found a lot of other things to do that I've continued to do. But Ringgold is three times as busy as it was when I left. I uh, and that's a, that's a wonderful dilemma. It, it? It's yeah. a great dilemma because yeah. I ask myself the same question. I don't know how I was a public school music educator, and I'm saying, I know it's the same with you, yes. Cindy. Yes, yes. You know, we do all these things just like these podcasts right now. You know, when would we have done this kind of stuff? And it has nothing to do with the rehearsals. Mm-hmm. It is. It has been a blessing two years in a row where we have played every month of the year. When you left for your 10-year hiatus, I don't think we were doing as many youth programs. Have you? Do you oh, enjoy the the Absolutely. Matches? Yeah. It's Well, it's for for a number of reasons, it's so important to have young people being introduced to Ringgold and, and being with the band. Uh, I think it's good PR. I think, you know, it's great to see younger people coming to our concerts to support mm-hmm. them, their friends. But also just just to learn the tradition and, and learn all the different styles of music that we perform as a group. And... Um, Actually, Sean and Mara Thompson, I'll just put a plug in here because I yes. know they're very popular on these podcasts. Are they, st- are they still number one? <laughs> I, no, believe, we don't I believe they are. We don't know what they ask, Tony. <laughs> right. But um, they mentioned to me when I came back and getting to know them that, that they really never knew how to play a march until they came to Ringgold. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, it's, I don't think we always recognize uh, how important the tradition is and how unique I think it is. Because uh, a lot of us have played in other community bands, but this is a, this is a very different type of community band. Um, so what was the question? Uh, oh, oh, during that time. During yeah. uh, uh, sure, yeah. So yeah, much more music in the schools, uh, but it's really the presence of the students playing at rehearsals and playing gigs, I think that's, that's so important because they're going to carry on the tradition. Right. You right. know, you, you look out. I got into this discussion just this past weekend with a group of fellow musicians at, a, at another lo- in actually in another state even. And our, con- and our comments were, our conversation revolved around just what we're talking about now, r- reaching out to the younger element to carry on their tradition. And the question surfaced, do you think we really are making an impact? Like when, when you go there and we sit aside of those kids are going, wow, this is really neat. Oh, this was fun. And then you go to a concert and you see some there, some younger ones, but you don't see 50 of them there, so to speak. Do you feel that we're making an impact doing these youth programs? And it's something, well, I'll let you answer. Well, yeah, I absolutely think we do. And I think the music in the schools is another part that a lot of people don't see. Uh, we did one this past year that was uh, Kutztown. Correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. and it was great. I was talking with some of the parents and, and they were so appreciative of, of what we were doing. Um, and the students seemed, seemed to enjoy it, but, um, I'm just amazed at, you know, spending time with students who are such quality students and quality people, uh, not just, not just the folks involved in Ringgold, but, you know, the working with these, you know, middle school and junior high and high school students as well. So it gives me a bit of hope for the future. These are the people are going to be taking care of me somewhere down the road. Yes. And I have some news for you, Jim, that you don't even know. Um, one Uh of our 
one of our first youth programs with middle school was at Kutztown Middle School. And that, um, that made a very large impression on a young bassoonist. Oh, that who she was a young girl Amanda Ma- Amanda Miller. She went on to continue playing bassoon. She won several Reading Musical Foundation scholarships, and she is now at Bucknell in her second year of of college. And she is an intern with the Reading Musical Foundation. She's studying oh. music business, and so I got to see her. Invited her to come back. Well, that's great. <laughs> so, but oh, that's so awesome. at least we might not have. We might not have a huge impact on the 50 that we're sitting among but i do think that that we we have i think it's the community impact that we're really talking about yeah and uh, i've said this many many times to a lot of my musician friends both in and outside of ringgold that i wish i would have seen my teachers play more because i never saw that and and it scared (laughs) me actually i started as a i was in music education at westchester my first two semesters. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, you know what, I want to play. I don't want to lose my passion for that. And I I just, I always kind of got the sense that my teachers were too tired to play at the end of the day after dealing with it with students. And that's true. That's very true. That's something that music educators, we've talked about. We've talked about that a lot. I I have a hard time understanding, and I don't mind putting this out over the airwaves either, (laughs) that here's a person who we assume has worked hard to be the best performer they can be as they go through a music education program even. And then once they get wrapped up in being the teacher, they forget, but they're preaching and you could do this for a lifetime. And I don't understand how that works because I never did that. And, uh, and that, but that's, that's, or neither have you No, never stopped playing. No, but there's some of us who did and some very good players who just don't touch their instruments now. And it scares me. And that's very, uh, Great to hear your perspective. Great to hear it coming from somebody it, it really is. unsolicited. Yeah, that, that. that really is. Well, so. they're, they're doing more of it now. So I see it. And I've actually been pulled into it to help, you know, sometimes when they need a, a sax player or whatever, they'll, right. they'll pull me into like, the, you know, even just a, a faculty talent show or something like oh, that. Okay. It right. just shows the joy of playing. And, you know, they're playing a whole variety of stuff. You know, right. yeah, I did one right. where it was everything from concert band to, to rock music and everything in between. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it, and that's another thing I'm seeing with students. I mean, the, the variety of music available, they're just absorbing all sorts of stuff. And it's really, I'm not much on current, you know, the current <laughs> rock scene but it, it seems like when i talk to particularly kids who are into music they're really into all kinds of different diverse stuff so it is I, amazing yes. when you really sit down one-on-one with them what they sure. what they will share mm-hmm. yes are you you had um left the band to pursue some other projects and i know one of them was a sax quartet is that correct yeah. are you still active doing that Somewhat active, not Somewhat. as active as we like to be because we're all so busy. It's hard to get four sax players in the same place at the same time. Are you, you know? still called Blue Lime? We are the Blue Lime Sax Quartet, yes. We recently played at the Miller Center for the the Reading uh, Faculty Fundraiser. Um, we're we're looking at actually playing kind of uh, beer halls and breweries. and it, that's, <laughs> That seems to be our audience. Maybe, right. maybe it helps. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it certainly helps us uh, loosen up a little bit. But but yeah, and we, you know, so we're, we that's been going on since 1996 mm-hmm. but we never wanted it to interfere with Ringgold because we've, we've always had a few of us that play with Ringgold that play with Ringgold yeah so 
Well, we're getting to the end of our time here, and I just wanted to make sure that if you hear, if any of our audience hears Blue Lime Quartet, you know, make sure you introduce yourself to them and say, I heard, I heard your podcast. So, Ken, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your schedule to thank talk you, to us. Sure. And for our audience, please check our summer schedule at www.ringoldband.com and for all the things that we're doing. So this is Cindy Miller-Unks. And, and Jim Seidel. Until our next podcast. Have a great day. Thank you, Ken.